Well, good morning and welcome, family of Crossroads Baptist Church. Welcome to our first ever Facebook live stream service. We're glad you're here with us in a sense. We're glad you're listening in and we want to thank you for taking the time uh, to be with us this morning. Um, We are in quite an unknown time in our world. And we don't know how long this is going to go on for, um, but for the time being, this is uh, where we're at. And we want to try and continue some form of communication of the Word, and that's exactly what we're going to do here today. This morning, uh, Lord willing, each Sunday morning at 10.30, uh, we'll be here, and we hope you can join us uh, for some encouragement of the Word. And uh, again, just wanted to say thank you for uh, joining us here this morning. Um, Just before we dive into a few things I wanted to announce, um, I wanted to read two verses as a little bit of a call to worship. First Chronicles 16:10. First Chronicles 16:10 says this: "Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence." continually. I found those verses fitting, especially given our setting this morning. No matter where we are at, we still wish to seek the presence of God, and I trust that has been your prayer as a church in these last few days and weeks leading up to where we are today. Um, Just a couple of things I'd like to share as kind of a preface to um, this morning's message. This is not church. Um, Church is, in the context of Scripture, is the Greek word ekklesia, which means a gathering. And in case you didn't notice already, we are not gathering. This is not an assembly. Um, yes, it's, it's nice to be able to do this with our technology, but I want to stress that this is not church. We are doing this because of the circumstances, okay? And this shouldn't fulfill in you the longing that you have for fellowship that we're missing. And I know in my own heart, this is not fulfilling that longing I have for Ecclesia. Um, That being said, we are very fortunate to be able to do this, and we are fortunate um, to be able to continue to share the Word of God. Um, So firstly, this is not church. Secondly, it's okay to miss church. I miss it too. And in the meantime, It's okay to pray and long for the day 
that we can finally meet what? We timed out. Oh, no way. Yeah. What timed out? I don't know how long. The screen timed out? Here, let me just turn it on. Always on, dude. I don't know how long just uh, see there how long it did. Do you see it? Huh? Do you want me to just delete and start over? Where did we get to? It's it's because of my um, phone. It's okay. But just see, so two minutes, can you listen in to where I was? Or let me just start over. Let's just delete and start over. Ready? I deleted it. You ready? Yeah, I, t I put it on always on. morning, Facebook family. Welcome to our second ever live stream here on Facebook. Uh, thank you for taking the time to join us. And uh, if you got to listen to the first service, uh, the, the second one will be much better. Um, thank you for being patient with us as we work through these details. This is new for myself. It's new for our tech guy, Nick. Um, but we want to um, welcome you uh, to the second try here this morning. I um, want to thank you for listening in and for taking the time to meet with us uh, and look to God's Word together. This is quite an unknown period we are in currently, um, in our world and in our country. And we don't know how long this is going to go on for, um, but for the time being, we want to continue to try and communicate the truths of God's Word amidst this all. And that's what we're going to try to do today. And uh, again, I want to say thank you for, for doing that with us. Um, just before we get into some other things here, I wanted to start with a little call to worship. First uh, Chronicles 16 verse 10, 1 Chronicles 16, verse 10, says this, Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. And that's our prayer and desire this morning, 
even though we're meeting in a little bit of a different way, in a sense we are not meeting, we wish to seek the presence of God, and we wish to do that here now. Um, as kind of a preface before we get into the sharing of the Word, I wanted to mention some things. This is not church. In the biblical context, church is the Greek word ecclesia, which means assembly or gathering. Um, in case you haven't noticed, this is not an assembly. This is not a gathering. It's nice to be able to do this, but this is not church. This is something that we can do in the meantime to try and fulfill that. But I want to stress that this should not fulfill the longing to fellowship that we're missing. This should not curb the longing that we have for the assembly in corporate worship. This is not church. Again, it is great to be able to do this. We are benefiting on this technology, um, but this isn't church in the New Testament context. Secondly, it's okay to miss church. Uh, I miss it too. In the meantime, I encourage you to pray and long for the day that we can assemble. Pray and long for the day that we can meet and gather in corporate worship. Um, it's okay to miss church. And thirdly, we are here for one another. Okay, We want to keep in line and follow the social distancing laws and rules that the government has put in place. There's no question. But at the same time, we do wish to help. And if you need anything delivered to your home in an appropriate manner, please let us know. We, as elders and other people in your church, want to help you out in that way. So, remember that. We are here for each other. Fourthly, share your prayer requests. On our Facebook page, share your requests that you want us to be praying for. You can email them to your church family or myself, or call them in to myself or someone in the church, and we will pray for you. We want to pray for you, and we want to be standing in the gap with you here through this and through these interesting times. So remember that. Share your prayer requests. Fifth, in regards to our live stream, we're eventually, hopefully, going to have some music. So if you are missing some music, if you want that, um, we're eventually going to have that here and we're eventually going to um, have some music. I think now I'm vertical. I don't think you can switch during. Morgan? And just before we move on to another one, I want to mention our ladies group is um, continuing to meet online. So if you want to be a part of that, they meet every Tuesday. Um, online, they, they uh, connect with their um, computers. You can contact Dana, 
Martha or Sue and get added into that group where you can um, fellowship in the context of being online. So we wanted to stress those things. So just to go through them once more, this is not church. It's okay to miss church. We are here for each other. Share your prayer requests. We're eventually going to have music. And if you'd like to get a part of the ladies uh, group, contact Dana, Martha, or Sue. Well, there are so many things that could be said this morning in a time like this. There are many things that could be shared, and I want to share with you something that the Lord has laid on my heart, something that I'd like to share in regards to the truth of Scripture. But I want to start by saying these things. I am not a doctor or a medical expert. I am not a government official. I am not a reporter or a news anchor. And lastly, I am not a comedian. So I will not act as any of those things that I just mentioned, okay? I am a pastor. And my job is to communicate the truth of God's Word to others, and that's it. And that is exactly what I'm going to do here this morning. I'm going to stay within my wheelhouse, if you will, and share some truths of God's Word that I found applicable and I found beneficial to my own soul, given the current state we are in. Please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, we see very interesting words that are applicable today to our circumstances and, spoiler alert, are applicable to any other circumstance that we find ourselves in in our lives. I have one point this morning that I want to be looking at. And if you're taking notes, the point is this. The gospel brings hope. The gospel brings hope. Hope is defined as the following. To look forward with confidence to that which is good and beneficial. To look forward with confidence that which is good and beneficial. Now, hope is a wonderful thing. Hope is something we find within the pages of Scripture that give to us spiritual growth. They feed our soul, much like any other passage in Scripture can do. Passages that speak of hope 
really give us a sense of nourishment for our soul. And perhaps the best way to begin to understand what hope is, is to look at some antonyms of hope. They are the following. Fear. Distrust. Disbelief. And doubt. These are opposites of hope. These are not hopeful things. If I am exercising fear and distrust, I am not being hopeful. Now, I must say, and this is just my opinion, hope often gets hated on. Often. I remember a movie quote where one friend said to the other friend, be hopeful. And that friend replied and said, you be hopeful, I'll be what? I'll be realistic. And that's kind of what we think of when we think of the hopeful person. Someone who is hopeful often gets made fun of or put down for having their head in the clouds in a sense, right? And that's often how people view the hopeful heart. Not everyone likes hope, okay? People prefer a a, a tangible entity. Hope requires faith. And and we as humans, with with a sinful nature, we're not inclined to faith so often. In fact, we're not inclined to faith at all until God reveals to us the truth of Scripture. This thing called sin in our lives causes us to not desire faith, not desire hope, because we focus on more fleshly things. Prior to God's intervention, we're not inclined to biblical truth. And that's why we need the gospel okay, in order to be hopeful. And that's why we need the gospel in order to understand what it means to be hopeful, what it means to exercise hope, and what it means to live a life of hope. We need the gospel. And maybe you're asking, and even if you're not asking, I'm going to tell you anyway, what is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, of the gospel, the Greek word talking about the good news. The gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now listen to this. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, 
that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, you can look elsewhere in Scripture to find the Gospel. In fact, I challenge you to look at a passage of Scripture that doesn't speak in some context of the wonderful Gospel of Christ. And and these passages here, what we just read, give to us a, a simple yet clear setting and mission for the Gospel of Christ. And we see here the, the beautiful truth of what Christ did. Paul pens these words here and says, Christ died for our sins. And who does he mean when he says our sins? He's talking about the, the saints of God. Now what do I mean by that? The, the saints of God are, are those who have repented of their sin. And those who believe in Christ Jesus as their Lord. See, you have to back up a little bit from this passage to the beginning of the Scriptures where we see God speaking into existence creation. He he speaks into existence the world. And He he creates this, this beautiful creation And He places in it all that He created. And He places two people to be the first ever in this beautiful creation called Adam and Eve. And it was was wonderful. To be Adam and Eve would have been wonderful. To to enjoy fellowship with God and, and all of the beauty of His creation in its fullest sense. But we see an issue. And that issue is that Adam and Eve, who, who were our representatives, okay, Romans talks about that. Adam and Eve were, were our representatives. They were the first humans. And what they did with that, that beautiful creation that God gave them, they defied God. They sinned. They took everything that was good and they instead wanted wickedness and evil, and they wanted their own way. And Genesis speaks of that. And, and, and from that moment onward, you have this thing called evil that is in our world. You have this thing called sin that is in the heart of every human being. A natural inclination to do what I want, what we want, instead of what God wants. Now, the, the context here is important to understand the attributes of who God is. God is holy. God has never done anything wrong, ever. He is absolutely perfect. He is absolutely holy. And when He created the world... His creation did not act in accordance to that. They defied that. And because of that, there's a big separation between us and God. Not by anything God did, but because of what we did. We didn't want to be close to God because we wanted our own way. 
The Bible says, for all have sinned. And this separation is an issue. The fact that God is holy is an issue for you and I. How? Because we're not. We're not. And God has clearly written in His Word the law. And if you want to be holy, then by all means, all you have to do is is read the law of God and follow it all. Spoiler alert. Many have tried and all have failed. Until 1 Corinthians 15. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This, this thing called the Gospel comes into play. And that massive separation between us and God is then bridged by the person of Christ who lived 2,000 years ago, was fully God, was fully man, lived an entire life, and never did anything wrong. Why? Because He was God. And He lived a perfect life so that the times that you and I sin against God, the times that you and I defy God and God has to to punish us because of that, that separation, Christ lived and died and rose again so that separation could be no more. And we could have a beautiful relationship with the person of God through Christ. And what sets this all apart? Many things. What sets Christ apart? Many things. His, his perfection, His holiness, His power, His immutability, His ability to unchange. He never changes, okay? But one of the things that really sets him apart in the context of the gospel is that he defeated death. After dying on that cross for the sins of the saints, of all those who repent and believe in Christ, after he died for those, bore the punishment of those, three days later he walked out of that grave to further cement, to further point to the fact that He was indeed God and we can have hope. If Christ is still in the grave, we don't have hope. But if Christ rose from the grave, as He did, as He said He would do, we have the beautiful opportunity of welcoming hope into our lives. And that includes March 22nd. That includes any circumstance we find ourselves in. Why? Because of the gospel. Because of the gospel. And Paul mentions this in, in chapter 15, the, the, the depiction of, of a, what the gospel is. And he continues, now, 
The church in Corinth was kind of going through some, some issues, okay? And one of the things they were saying was that there would not be a resurrection of the dead. And what that means is, those of us who are saved, who believe in the gospel, have the hope that one day we will be with God. God is going to return for His church and we will eventually be brought with Him. All those who have gone on before us and whoever is alive at the time, God's going to bring them home to be with Him. This resurrection hinges on God's resurrection. And Paul speaks of that later on in chapter 15, and then he gets to this very interesting verse in verse 55. Speaking of this future resurrection, listen to what he says. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. See, we, we love that passage. I love reading about where in the world is death's sting when you look at the gospel. Death has no power, has no sting, when we look at it in the lens of who Christ is and what He did. And because of that, we can have victory. And that brings encouragement to our souls. And that brings hope to our souls. And we see in verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. That word steadfast means firm and unwavering. The word immovable there means unshaken, steady, not being readily shaken in one's belief. Okay? And we, we love that passage. We want to be steadfast. We want to be immu immovable. But oftentimes I think we skip verse 3 and 4 of that same chapter. If we're to sing and to live, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. May we not overlook verse 3 and 4 of that chapter that says, Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Because of that, we can then sing and live and access the hope in verses 55 through 58 because of the Gospel. Because of Christ's work on the cross. Now, in thinking of these words steadfast and immovable, they mean firm, unwavering, unshaking, steady. I was thinking of a best way to illustrate this, and some of you know where my wife and I live. Uh, we often 
get teased, and we don't mind, for living not even in the middle of nowhere, kind of at the end of nowhere in a sense. And when we first moved there, we had this, this mailbox at the end of our driveway. And this mailbox, okay, was just about everything opposite of firm and unwavering, okay? The, the, the structure of it was okay. It was made of wood, but it was covered in, in vinyl siding, and it wasn't even attached to the pole that it was on. And I think for months and months, if, if we got a windstorm, even the slightest breeze would knock it off the pole, and if the plow truck went by, I'd have to go out and find the mailbox. It would just be gone. And, and maybe some of you ladies can attest to this, but there comes a point in a man's life where there's kind of like this, this straw that breaks the camel's back. I went out one day, and, and I was looking for my mailbox, and I said, that's it. I've had enough. So I took, I took, this might not mean anything to some of you, but I took 20-gauge metal roofing, okay? And I covered that mailbox in metal roofing. I mean strong, covered, absolutely everywhere, all right? And I took, I took some pressure-treated 2x6, and I lag-bolted them onto that pole, okay? And I screwed the mailbox onto that. And I set that at the end of my driveway, okay? And it has not moved an inch in about six months since I did that. I'm talking plow trucks, wind, and that mailbox kind of just sits there. It doesn't move, all right? And I guarantee you that it's going to be there for as long as it ever has the chance to be there, right? That little illustration show you and I what it really means to be firm and unwavering. The hope that we have is contingent upon the lens of the gospel that we see the world through. And that, in turn, affects if we are steadfast and immovable. I don't know about you, but I, I wish to be steadfast and immovable. I love the victory that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. As a sinner that has been saved by the grace of God, I love the assurance I have in Christ. And that brings a level of hope that we believers, that those of us who have repented and turned from our sin and, and believed unto the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord, that's something that we, we have. That's something that we have access to. And that's something that we have to live out because it in turn causes us to be unwavering in our beliefs, immovable. Now, in the context of where we're at today, I'd like to ask, where is your hope in all of this? Is it wavering? Shaken so easily by every emotion that touches your heart? Or is it rooted in Christ's victorious work on the cross? Do you run to Him in prayer when you sense the slightest temptation to feel fear or doubt? The work of Christ brings hope, victory, salvation, among so many other beautiful things 
that feed the longing soul. I don't know about you, but my soul has been longing lately, more so than months ago. And I've found that seeing things through the lens of the gospel in relation to hope is a beautiful thing. Spurgeon says this, He who counts the stars and calls them by their names is in no danger of forgetting his own children. Why? Because we have hope as those who God has saved. I want to say this. If you need hope today, look to Jesus. He forgives you. He welcomes you. He loves you. He restores you. And He gives you hope. And what a humbling truth. What a humbling truth that the God who we sinned against, the God who we defied by wanting our own way, pursued us in Christ and now says, turn from your sin and believe in Me. And you can have hope of eternal glory. It's a humbling truth. Listen to what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for whom? He cares for you. Be sober-minded, clear-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now, reading just up to that point, we agree. We, we, we like that, right? Humble yourselves before God. Okay, I can, I can humble myself against the mighty hand of God. We cast our cares on Him. We have to be sober-minded, be watchful. But listen to verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. We don't like that part, right? We want the earlier part. Cast your cares on Him. Be, be sober-minded. Be vigilant. Be watchful. Satan's trying to attack us. Yes. But then verse 10. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you, if indeed you are a saint of God, repented of your sin and believed in Christ, He'll call you to His eternal glory in Christ. Will Himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be glory forever, dominion, and ever. Amen. Scriptures filled with these little instances and promises that we'll suffer. And in order for us to suffer correctly, properly, 
We have to understand the hope we have in Christ. And as a believer in Christ, we understand who we are in Him. And if we are indeed a saint of God, redeemed and purchased by the blood of Christ, may we live in accordance to that by having hope. That doesn't mean that our anxieties are non-existent because this passage says cast them on Him when you have them, when I have them. Cast them on Him. Understand though that we can have hope in Him because of the Gospel. There's a man by the name of Francis Grimke. Francis Grimke was a pastor in Washington, D.C. at the 15th Street Presbyterian Church in 1918 when the Spanish flu went through that area. And Francis Grimke, on the Sunday before their services were to close, much like what we're experiencing now with churches abroad, said these words. There is only one other thought that has come to me in connection with this epidemic. It is of the blessedness of religion, of the sense of security which a true, living, working faith in the Lord Jesus Christ gives one in the midst of life's perils. I felt as doubtless as you all felt, who are Christians, the blessedness of a firm grip upon Jesus Christ, the blessedness of a realizing sense of being anchored in God and in His precious promises. While the plague was raging, while thousands were dying, what a comfort it was to feel that we were at the hands of a loving Father who was looking out for us, who had given us the great assurance that all things should work together for our good, and therefore that come what would, whether we were smitten by this epidemic or not, or whether being smitten we survived or perished, we knew it would be well with us. That there was no reason to be alarmed. Even if death came, we knew it was all right. The apostle says, it is gain for me to die. Death had no terrors for him. He says, the hour of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of glory which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give at that day. And not only me, only, but to all them that love His appearing. And it was this same apostle who flung in the face of death the defiance. O death, where is, that st- where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, this sickness did not take God by surprise. He is not worried, fearful, or unprepared. He is instead on His throne, always calling people to Himself, no matter the circumstance. And we can 
be near Him because of Christ. And that is a beautiful thing to be able to have hope through the work of Christ in all that we face. Blessings to you and your family. Thank you for listening in. And we hope to um, see or hear each other again, rather, in the week to come.